I'm feeling such a reverence for nature and I'm continually seeking how to learn from it. You know, there's this quote, do we belong to the earth or does the earth belong to us? And I think that's really important to think about because we just, we show up here as a human and we think we just have access to this abundance. Like if we reframe it of like, I belong to the earth and like, what can I learn from these beautiful natural systems that are here? How can I support the diversity and cooperation and the cycles of life and this natural abundance, all of these laws that nature operates on? Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. So welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be joined today by Soul Care Partner and Kundalini Yoga and Meditation Teacher, Kelly Matthews. Her journey of spiritual exploration began right when she got out of college, as she sought natural approaches to heal her anxiety and chronic digestive issues. And what she discovered was the more subtle aspects of healing, particularly around food and emotions and the nervous system, which continually inspire the work she's here to do. She has such a neat story that within six months of discovering the practices of Kundalini Yoga, she quit her job, she solo road tripped throughout the mountains, and she completed a month-long yoga teacher training in the desert. She also launched her marketing business. It's called Resonance, and it supports consciousness businesses with web design, writing, and branding. And I'm just really fortunate to know her, and um, I'm excited to have her here on the podcast. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Looking yeah. forward to our chat. Mm-hmm. So I always like to get a sense of my guests of a starting point. Let's talk a little bit about your beliefs around faith and spirituality, and maybe what faith system did you experience growing up and how that's evolved for you over the years? Yeah. So I wasn't raised with a religion. And looking back, I can see how early on I formed an awareness that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I was particularly inspired by a few of my aunts, two of my dad's sisters. And so my dad is one of eight kids. And we'd have these big family parties every month. And my Aunt Anne would bring her Reiki table and perform Reiki on whoever wanted that. And I remember she taught me things like how to cleanse my aura and my physical space and how to listen to my intuition and things like that. 
And then my Aunt Beth, she would talk about her angel guides and really trusting the universe. And so those things really resonated with me. And additionally, my dad, he got really into Wayne Dyer books when oh, I was mm-hmm. little. Mm-hmm. And um, so he just instilled in me like this knowing that our thoughts have power. And when we put positive energy into the world, we create positive outcomes. So I don't know if these are necessarily like faith systems, but I'd say they are spiritual values and perspectives that were present um, and really resonated with me. That's awesome. And then, yeah. And then after college, I delved deep into self-help. Um, I needed a lot of help at that time. And um, I listened to like hours and hours of podcasts and audiobooks, And honestly, I still do. And they're mostly around the topics of like psychology, spirituality, Eastern religions, indigenous wisdom, energy healing, just, yeah. So like a lot of my spiritual beliefs, I feel like it's just like a collection of different wisdom traditions, but I'd say they're mostly rooted in nature and energy and healing and yoga. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, I struggle with the word spirituality sometimes because it's not just like one thing. And I know that's like the reason for this podcast, but like everything is spiritual. But to me, I guess spirituality means to recognize the inherent interdependence between all things and to be able to transcend our limited identities and see that we are the divine and everything is divine. And at the same time, we are also deeply human. And to go a little bit deeper into like how I see energy. So my truth is that there's one unified energy field and it animates and flows through all life forms. And, you know, every plant, animal, insect, human, And so we're all connected by this universal like life force, but it flows through each of us very uniquely. And we each have our own lessons to learn and ways that we express this energy. But there's this like natural way that the energy wants to flow. It's seeking harmony among all of the parts. And so I think this is really where it's important to realize that like us humans are also nature because when we look into nature, we see perfect harmony, right? Like nothing's wasted. Everything is playing a role in the whole and collectively it keeps itself in balance. And to me, that's like, that's the divine flow of energy and it flows through each of us as well. Yeah, but like the fact that us humans have forgotten that we play a role in this greater symphony of life, I think is where a lot, like the root of a lot of our issues come in. Mm-hmm. And indigenous people knew this and they still know this connection to nature and how to live in that way. Um, and I think that's really inspiring to my path and how I apply, how I want to apply spirituality to all parts of my life really embodying the divine and my path has been to use my body as a vehicle to allow more light and more energy to pulse through my being and 
Yeah, it allows us to be one with the divine and to be like deeply human at the same time. Mm-hmm. No, I, I resonate with that so much. And I really do. I mean, science has, has said, and I'm a believer in science, but science has pointed out those places with, you know, perfect geometries and where that harmoniousness in nature is. And then also pointed out where some of the disruption might be. And that's not just, I, I, I think sometimes when people hear about talking about energy, it might be a little bit woo for them, but um, it's, it's actually very scientific. And I al- always go back to, you know, Albert Einstein and there's, uh, you know, E equals MC squared and because matter and energy are connected and time. <laughs> so it's a scientific principle. Yes, totally. So you have just an amazing story to share about your own health journey and how that really transformed your life. When you were just out of college, what challenges were you experiencing and where did you begin to look for answers? Yeah. Yeah. So my last semester of college was a very pivotal time for me. I had woken up to the realization that I was having chronic digestive issues, cystic acne, a lot of social anxiety, isolation, and overall a really fragile sense of self. It was very hard for me to interact in the world. And that created a lot of discomfort as I was starting my career and I was working in an office setting. And at that time, I stumbled upon yoga, mostly using the practice as a workout, but it, it did develop body awareness and mm-hmm. a connection to my breasts, which was sort of the start of my journey. And then I started paying attention to what I was putting in and on my body, which led me down a whole path that I am still continually walking learning about nutrition and food quality, organic, and just finding what I can nourish myself that's going to create balance in my system. And then I had also learned about gut health, which was huge. And I started feeling a real difference in my mental health, as well as my physical symptoms going away. It took a while for the physical symptoms, but like cleaning up my diet was a huge part. But my symptoms weren't totally gone. And then I discovered Kundalini Yoga, which the practice works on the very subtle energetic layers of the body and the mind and the spirit, which just sort of opened up my awareness to the more subtle aspects of healing. For example, I learned it's not just what we put in our bodies, but how we eat, Mm. how how much we eat. So for example, the thoughts that we're having while we eat, whether they're conscious or unconscious, um, was big for me because I realized that I had a lot of thoughts around body image and I was holding shame for simply eating, (laughs) which sounds wild, but that's what I discovered what was happening. So of course my mind's telling my body not to not to eat and then my body digesting it it didn't work um Mm -hmm. 
And then I discovered Ayurveda, which is like a sister science to yoga. It's a very ancient health system from India. And it taught me a lot about like sitting while eating, not multitasking while eating. Cause like when our attention is distracted while we're eating, that's less energy we have to digest. And for some people it might not matter, but like if someone's digestion isn't strong, like it makes a huge difference. So Ayurveda is very rooted in nature. It recognizes that we are made up of elements. You know, Mm -hmm. we're 70% water and we also have air and space and fire. What's the last one I'm missing? Earth. Um, So foods have different qualities that interact with those elements. And so certain foods can bring balance to our system or it can bring more heat um, than we want. And so it's really subtle aspects of how we're nourishing ourselves. And I mean, the food we eat becomes the matter mm-hmm. that we are. So it's, it's huge. Um, and yeah, not only did that help a lot with my symptoms, but it also helped me with my understanding of um, our connection with nature. And then the other part of my kind of health journey, um, that's, again, a more subtle aspect of healing is emotional work so underneath every physical ailment i believe or i'm not sure if it's proven but i i believe there's a huge emotional piece because when we don't properly process our emotions there's imbalances and then of course like physical manifestations of those imbalances become like symptoms that we can actually notice and so getting in tune with my feeling states and allowing myself to feel my feelings as well as strengthening my nervous system and my physiology to actually be able to process that energy and those emotions um, was really huge for me and practices like breath work and meditation like calming that nervous system so that my body actually has the space to heal so you were talking about the emotional processing. And again, I mean, some of this, if you haven't studied it, it might sound like a lot of woo. But I mean, just even physiologically with science, um, they've told us that our bodies can't tell the difference between a stressor that we have at work and the feeling that we had when we were being chased by a lion in prehistoric ages. And so when we have those kinds of emotional reactions, we're flooded with the chemicals that enable our body. Like that's why we have emotions, right? Is to make our bodies do something. And so when we experience these emotions that may not be something that needs us to be running away or fighting, um, they do stay in our bodies. All those chemicals, all those natural chemicals, the hormones stay in our bodies. And you're absolutely right. If you don't know how to acknowledge those emotions or uh, process them through your body or know how to release them, then those things stay stagnant in your body, both physically and energetically. Um, And it is important to 
um, you know, many of us are just walking around like disembodied heads because we don't know, we don't know how our bodies work physically or spiritually. And there's just this disconnection. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so you, I, think, I think you're right. You're right on track. So I know one of your obstacles that you had to overcome a little bit was, um, you know, as you started looking into some of these wellness things uh, and started listening to podcasts and reading books and and kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit about all these new things that you were learning that are great things. Um, you also kind of termed it that you were chasing wellness. So um, what does what does that mean to you? And why is it an obstacle? Yeah. Yeah. And again, this, this was another subtle uncovering uh, throughout the journey that made a big difference. So I became pretty obsessed with healing and improving myself. And it felt like at the root of that, that there was this idea that I was broken and that there was something outside of myself that was going to heal me. And I would try out a new food or supplement or healing modality. And oftentimes I would see a benefit right at the start. And then I would get excited that, you know, I found the thing. <laughs> and um, for example, I started uh, using medicinal mushrooms like reishi and chaga and other herbs um, like ashwagandha was a really big one for my anxiety. And so I would make this delicious morning elixir with herbs and coconut milk. And I had it probably every day for like two or three years. And it helped tremendously. But in my head, you know, the story was once I find this thing, I will be, I will be fixed. And we know that that's not true. So I found myself grasping for things to feel better. And it created this codependent relationship between me and the thing to the point where the thing would lose its effectiveness over time because of the energy and the intention that I was bringing to the relationship with it. And so what I really needed was to be honest about what was at the root of the problem, which Honestly, it really came back to the emotional piece more often than not. Mm. And also, I needed to trust my body that it knew how to heal itself and mm -hmm. that the things that I was using or doing were just to support this natural healing process that our bodies just innately know how to do. So, yeah, I think chasing wellness, is, it can show up differently for different people, Um but it's important because we're conditioned to look for quick fixes and to outsource our intelligence and our decision making to products or people who, quote unquote, know better than us. And mm -hmm. if it's not getting to the root of what's going on, it's just going to put a bandaid and we're just going to keep seeking. So I like to really reframe like our symptoms and the issues that we're facing as a deep invitation to look inward and see what's happening in our subconscious, what repressed emotions we have, past traumatic experiences, and what healing we can do. Because I think that's what's really going to bring forth real and lasting transformation. Mm. 
Oh, I love that. And I kept thinking as you were talking, there's this inner knowingness and sense of enoughness that we have an opportunity to connect with. And I think that that's where any true healing and authenticness needs to start from. And no matter what it is, no matter whether it's uh, wellness, no matter whether it's experts, uh, teachers, religion, um, doctrine, philosophy, whatever it is, um, I love your reframing about the need to look within and start there. And that, you know, the answers that you seek may not necessarily be found outside of yourself. Uh, There's lots of tools that are outside of yourself, but um, you need to kind of connect with that inner wisdom and knowingness and come from a place of love and enoughness and acceptance and not brokenness to have those tools work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. So for you, after you discovered that, what tools and practices have you found that have brought more authentic and lasting transformation? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I've already mentioned both of them, but I want to go in a little bit deeper on what emotional healing looked like for me. Um, as also, and also sharing a little bit more about Kundalini yoga. So, When I talk about healing, I'm often referring to the idea that we have experiences as a human that are traumatic with both the little T and the capital T, where parts of ourselves become fragmented. And I think that's kind of a shamanic view of healing as well. And so when this happens, we literally become less whole, like on an energetic and spiritual level. And we become less connected with our true selves. And we have a more limited capacity to feel like we're actually in the present moment. You know, parts of ourselves are stuck. Like when it comes to channeling divine life force energy inside our bodies, like we are less of a clear channel if we have fragmented parts. So um in a nutshell, like what this looked like for me was I started to become aware of when I was emotionally triggered. And I mean, it happens to us like multiple times a day in like very little ways or in big ways. And I would give myself time to reflect on what that was about and permission to really feel it. And I mean, maybe that meant like crying or screaming or dancing and just really feeling it because when we feel it we heal it and in fact many of the emotional triggers that we feel in the present moment they're yes we may be angry about something that's happening in the present but a part of that anger is actually still angry about something that happened 15 years ago (laughs) and so to have that awareness too I think helps us to really not make things in the present moment like so personal and so relevant to mm-hmm. to what's going on. 
So when we actually release that emotion, we can access more of our true selves. Um, and to me, that means experiencing more of this like unified divine energy in our bodies. Um, so that was huge for me. And I, it's a continual practice. It's like, Absolutely. I think I'll be doing it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that there's one human on earth, even the people that we look at, like, the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa or Gandhi or Thich Nhat Hanh who have mastered this at all. And it's continual practice. For sure. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is I mentioned that growing up, there was this like really like positive mindset mentality. And consequently, like the full range of emotions were not really welcomed. And mm -hmm. so perhaps that's why I'm really drawn to the emotional work now. But I think it's really important to this like good vibes only movement. Like, no, no, no. Like we mm -hmm. need to have the capacity to be with people who are struggling and that are like angry and challenging. I mean, it's, it's so hard sometimes, but I think these practices, particularly Kundalini yoga for me has really increased my capacity to hold space for all of the range of emotions inside of myself and in the people that I interact with. Absolutely. I just heard something the other day too that I thought was fascinating was that our emotions, like if left naturally, our emotions actually only last 90 seconds and it's our thoughts that continue to trigger that emotion over and over and over again and actually almost flood our systems. So I'm sure some of these tools help us be aware and conscious of the thoughts that we're choosing to have so that we don't continue to build up unexpressed emotions as well as dealing with the ones that we've let linger. Totally. Yeah. And that makes me think like, maybe we shouldn't intellectualize what we're feeling as much as we do. <laughs> I mean, it is helpful, right? Like we learn about ourselves, but maybe we just need to move and mm -hmm. move the energy. And that's why, you know, my practice with Kundalini Yoga, which I, I want to share a little bit more about what that is, but it moves energy. So we could either try to figure out what we're feeling and why, which I think is a helpful practice, but pairing that with just moving the energy, we probably would just take 90 seconds to move through. I mean, that, that'd be amazing. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me more about what Kundalini Yoga is and um, like how it's different from other types of yoga. Yeah. So, the way that I share Kundalini Yoga, and I think it's it's important, and this kind of ties into the not chasing wellness thing, I make sure to share it and say that it's not about the practice. It's not the practice that's making you feel good. It's actually that you're just having a greater experience of yourself, and the practice is the tool for you to do that. So Kundalini Yoga is known as the yoga of awareness, and it can appear to be a more spiritual type of yoga, um, but honestly, yoga in general has deep spiritual roots. It's just that the way that it's been brought to the West has lost some of that. But yeah, like yoga is an experiential science. And 
It aims to dissolve our individual identity and expand ourselves into this greater field of reality and unite with the divine. And it's really helpful to realize our interconnectedness and realize like how we can act in a way that is going to benefit the greater whole. If you just do the practice, it feels like it's like inherently, it just inherently comes through. So I like to think of class, like the whole class is like a prayer in motion. Mm. And we're intentionally turning inward and becoming acutely aware of our energetic experience. And like through a regular Kundalini yoga practice, we start to awaken this creative energy that we all have inside of ourselves. And it helps us feel so much more vital. It gives us more of an awareness of ourselves and other people and um, how we want to show up in the world. What does the practice of it look like? I know it's not about the practice, but um, you know, for maybe some people who have never been to a yoga class or who have maybe experienced yoga as something to a little bit more fitness oriented. What does a Kundalini yoga practice look like? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, from class to class, it can look wildly different, but I'll, I'll do my best to explain. So we start by tuning in with a mantra. So we're using the power of sound vibration to attune ourselves. And we often will start with a breath meditation. So it might be, you know, five minutes long or 10 minutes long, where we're controlling our breath in a specific way. And breath is life. I mean, it's what connects our body to the outside world. And it, it's what fills one way that fills our body with life force so that the more we can breathe properly, the more everything is going to work better and the better that we're going to feel. So breath is a huge part of the practice. And even throughout the whole class, when we get into more of the physical postures, um, I like to say it's just as much about the breath as it is the action. Um, so compared to like more of a workout yoga class, the postures, um, we do a, a posture for at least a few minutes at a time. And we may be moving during that posture too. It might be putting the arms up and down or like engaging the core. The practice builds a lot of muscle in a less intense way than you probably think about it, but you do build a lot of muscle and a lot of strength of your physical body. And the practice is also like a system of pressure and release. So when we're doing the posture, that is the time of pressure. We're intentionally putting the nervous system under stress and at the same time staying very calm and centered. Mm. And then after the few minutes of the posture, take a deep breath, hold it, release it, and then sit in stillness for however long, maybe 30 seconds, to allow for that release and to allow the nervous system to bounce back to 
a calm state. So by putting it under pressure and then coming back to a calm state, we're training the nervous system to um, allow us to stay more calm under stress and to respond mm. in a more grounded and effective way. Mm. Um, so yeah. what, it, what just popped into my head was, you know, for people who might have children and have a hard time managing, you know, that feeling of wanting yelling at your kids. If you have an experience where you're put in a, a place of, of experiencing some stress and then you get your body into knowing how to be in a grounded and centered place, that might help you be able to not have that reaction. Or if you're somebody who is in a high stress job, and you have a hard time regulating that emotion or even shifting off when you're done work and moving into your home life. Um, it sounds like the Kundalini might be a good tool to learn how to be able to shift the energies in your body. Um, so it sounds like it's really applicable to a lot of different people. Absolutely. Yeah, the shifting of the energies and then also the ability to actually focus our energy. So how often do we feel like we can't focus and we're scattered and we just need the time to do the thing and but then we have the time and we can't do the thing like so it helps us cuz during during the postures and the exercises we're narrowing our focus and yeah that trains the mind. Mm -hmm. And um just endless benefits we could yeah. talk about with the practice but really experiencing it for yourself um it starts to make a lot more sense yeah so maybe if you're the kind of person that thinks of yourself as being scatterbrained or thinks of yourself not that you are but if you think of yourself as being a procrastinator or if you think of yourself as having attention issues this might be a good practice to learn to, as a tool. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of what holds us back is really these subconscious patternings and habits that are literally coded in our nervous system. And it's the way that our energy knows how to flow. And so it, that's why it's really hard to break a habit and start a new one. It's not because you're a lazy person or that you know, you're not good enough to do the thing. It's it's literally our physiology and our nervous system is coding in that way. And so, um, yeah, what Kundalini helps us do is to open our bodies up and get our, our nervous systems in a place where they can repattern our neural pathways. And, you know, through breath, sound, movement, meditation, these are all the tools that we use in class and they're they're some of the most effective ways that I know how to repattern our subconscious and our neural pathways and that connection between brain and body, it gives us access to new ways of thinking, of feeling, of being. Um yeah, it's and it doesn't take very long to see the benefits either. Mm. Like a a pretty consistent practice for a short period of time will, you know, you'll notice something's different. <laughs> hmm. 
That's really neat that there's something out there that doesn't have to be a medication, doesn't have to be setting goals and maybe not reaching them or changing habits and being unsuccessful. But there's this really powerful, natural tool that can bring some of these benefits. Yes. I mean, I know I'm so grateful that I I stumbled upon it. That's really neat. How have these practices shaped your thinking or changed your perspective on that sense of connection? Yeah. How how has that changed for you? Yeah. And so when I'm thinking about connection, I'm thinking about connection to self, to other humans, to just the greater, all of the greater planet and all of the life forms. Um, I think first I had to shift um, and I was able to shift from this place of like self-preservation and safety and fear, um, you know, all aspects that largely dominate our Western culture. <laughs> and I started to expand my sense of identity of who I am Um you know, I'm not just Kelly Matthews in this body, but like, I am a being that lives on this earth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so like, um, yeah. And also like what I do is deeply meaningful, not just to my life and the people I in- interact with, but to the greater whole. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a responsibility to my ancestors of past to help doing the work that we're here to do as well as for future generations to ensure that there's good conditions for them to live on this planet. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, right. Like where I'm at now, I, I'm feeling such a reverence for nature and I'm continually seeking how to learn from it. You know, there's this quote, do we belong to the earth or does the earth belong to us? And I think that's really important to think about because we just, we show up here as a human and we think we just have access to this abundance that is around us or, you know, whoever has enough money to buy the land that has the resources, they own those resources. But like, how self-righteous is that? And how, like, if we reframe it of like, I belong to the earth and like, what can I learn from these beautiful natural systems that are here? How can I support the diversity and cooperation and the cycles of life and this natural abundance, all of these laws that nature operates on. So it's a whole different reframe of like, how do I just plug into what's currently happening here versus let me control as much as I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So what does that mean for you in your life and in your your dreams for the future? How might you be living your life differently then? Yeah. Um, well, so it's been baby steps for me, right? Like, um, and I can't say that I'm living in harmony with nature like that's the goal and like so for me it's been a lot of getting curious about what it is that i consume Mm 
So food, of course, is a big part of that. But also everything that I, I put money towards, that I exchange my money for. Clothes, body products, household products, like, like literally anything. And there's some questions that I ask myself. I ask, like, where did it come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's it made out of? How were those things sourced? Who was involved? What does this company care about? And what will happen to it when I'm done with it? Or mm-hmm. when I've, I've passed away? Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy to find the answers to those things, but I've learned a lot. And, you know, just for example, like the iPhone that I use, like a lot of those, a lot of the metals and stuff, I learned about where those came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people who are living in like sub poverty conditions and are like, mining and just mm-hmm. in horrible living condition like in africa i think it's in africa that a lot of them are coming from yeah congo yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway it's so it's like okay like do i need a new iphone every three years mm-hmm. well and one of the um i'm not sure if you you hadn't mentioned this um but one of the natural resources in the ukraine which is experiencing um, invasion and war right now is the um, materials used to make phone batteries. And uh, so that's actually a really rich natural resource that Russia wants to have access to. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually, you know, we're going to, I mean, yeah, we can't just keep taking. And that's a fundamental issue of just our economic model that I grew up thinking like, oh, this is just how the world works. Like I took economic classes in college, like, oh, this is just how it works, Mm -hmm. you know, but actually, no, that's like a man-made model and Mm -hmm. it's, it's rooted in scarcity Mm -hmm. and it's rooted in infinite growth, Mm -hmm. which are both not natural laws. And so, I mean, eventually, like, we're going to wipe out our species if we just continue doing what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. so being eco-conscious is no longer, like, a good thing to do. Like, oh, I'm a good citizen because I recycle. And, you know, I mean, that's good. I recycle, too. But it's like, we actually really need to see what we're doing. And and. Yeah, so this curiosity, I mean, it's been fascinating. And I've been, you know, I spend a lot of time in my house because I work from home. And so thinking about like, oh, like, how is this house made? Like, what materials were used? What is what is it treated with? And then so I, I learned all about like natural building and how to use natural materials. And I mean, I have a great vision of owning land and being a real steward of the land and taking care of soil health and growing food and living in a natural structure and having a retreat center on that land and inviting people in and just like showing them an alternative way of living that feel is not only good for the earth, but it feels so good because at the end of the day, we are nature. Like mm-hmm. we are, we're animals. <laughs> we just have like 
smart brains. And yeah. so that's where the connection piece, like we will feel so much more nourished and connected, like living more naturally in harmony with the earth, but also in community more, mm-hmm. relying on each other. So mm-hmm. I've, I learned a little bit about gift economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charles Eisenstein talks about it beautifully in his book, uh, Sacred Economics. And, you know, whenever and wherever gift economy used to be like the default mode of living, people relied on the generosity of others to, um, to live. And there was this great incentive to be generous because you wanted other people to give to you as well. And, and I think a big issue that we're experiencing right now as humans is that we're, we're trapped. We're trapped in this pressure cooker of needing to work an eight to five job just to, to help have healthcare and to be able to feed our families and put a roof over our head. And there's no space for creativity or for Mm -hmm. our, our spirits to really shine and for us to connect like um and yeah i mean we're far from a gift economy model but some businesses have been embracing that where it's like based on donations and because what Mm -hmm. they're putting out is so good the business is making enough money and people want to donate and it's not about profit and they're they're giving from a place of generosity versus like obligation so yeah and you're um and you're supporting some of those kinds of businesses through the work that you're doing, right? Yeah, so I started my business uh resonance marketing uh about 4 years ago and it was at the same year that I found Kundalini Yoga. I quit my job, I road trip through the mountains. I came back <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I'm doing the thing. Like I actually have courage. I have skills and I can help people." And I found this really nice niche for myself of more conscious businesses and energy healers and spiritual teachers and health practitioners, anyone who is like really focused on healing, they appreciated that I understood what they were doing and I could translate what they're doing into really meaningful messaging and design and web design. I'm so grateful to, to be able to support their missions. Um, and I've actually come to know entrepreneurship as a spiritual path in and of itself, because what's more spiritual than making a career out of what lights you up the most? And I'm sure you know this, like our business is a mirror for what's going on inside of ourselves. So we need to get into alignment and work through our lessons so that we can show up better in our business and our business can more naturally attract the right people. And mm-hmm. while my services fall under like branding, writing and web design, it's so much more than that. Like I help the business owner align the spirit of their business with themselves. So it's like this alignment of the spirit of the business owner and the spirit of the business. And then I translate that into writing and design and marketing strategies. It's been a really beautiful journey and I I I want to support more people who want to start their own businesses because 
the freedom and the flexibility and the ability to really make your business what you want it to be, I think it, it brings people so much more connection, spiritual connection and alignment than they're getting in this like job that they're not super stoked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so much more authentic. Yes. Well, I really appreciate how there's so many facets of your life that you're trying to bring into alignment, not only just in yourself and and kind of holistically looking at your mind, your spirit, your body, but also in the way that you walk in the world, whether it be, you know, how you consume, how you relate with others, how you relate with community, or how you encourage and support people who are also on that same journey. I think that's all of what you talked about, actually, it's not just talk. I mean, it's, it is, you're living out everything that you just talked about. And that's really, um, that's really beautiful. And it's a model that I'd love to see other people find that pathway for themselves. Yeah. Um, Thank you for articulating that in that way. It's, yeah, thank you for seeing me. It's hard to see ourselves sometimes, but you just wrapped it up so beautifully. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's true. It's really wonderful. Um, how, if people are interested in trying out Kundalini Yoga, um, or if people want to connect with you about your journey or about the work that you do through Resonance, um, how can they connect Yeah, so I am currently teaching classes every other Saturday at Soul Care at 3.30. So those are kundalini yoga and meditation classes. Um, There's also another local kundalini teacher who holds classes in Muhammad, um, Gabriella Brunner. Mm -hmm. And so I recommend checking out her classes as well. Um, You can probably find her by just Googling Gabriella Brunner kundalini and we'll put a um we'll put a link to both both you and her um okay. on the show notes. Um she's also somebody that has been on the soul care. I'm I'm I have a relationship with her as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's great. Um and then to connect with me, I am on the soul care website on the partners page and you can find both my yoga website there and then my marketing website there as well. Um But yeah, if you want to connect with me on Facebook, um, feel free to do that. You can just find me under my name, Kelly Matthews. And I'm fairly new to the central Illinois area. And so I love meeting people in person. And so if you want to go on a walk or meet at a cafe or something and just chat, um, I would love that. So just send me uh, a Facebook message or you can send me an email and we could put my email in the show notes too. Fabulous. Um, So I always like to end the um, podcast conversations with these rapid fire questions. Um, And I ask all my guests these and I get the most fascinating answers. And it just gives, um, it gives people kind of an opportunity to peek into 
maybe a different side of you than what we've talked about. So are you open to that? Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. So um, what is something that people get wrong about you? Yes, they often get wrong the spelling of my last name. (laughs) (laughs) Guilty, guilty as charged, yes. (laughs) There's just one thing in Matthews. Where do you see the divine um, as most alive for you in this season? Yeah, last weekend I went to Turkey Run in Indiana. And I stumbled upon a puddle with hundreds of frogs. They were very loud and they were mating. (laughs) And I I stood there for like 20 minutes. It was, I mean, that's divine energy. Absolutely. They're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, you're a frog voyeur. (laughs) That's awesome, though. I love Turkey Run. It's such a neat place. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. In the summertime, you can go tubing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. They do canoeing and tubing there. It's awesome. What's one thing in your life that might seem ordinary to other people, but is sacred for you? Hmm. My Berkey water filter is very sacred to me because drinking high quality filtered water is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you deeply grateful for right now? I am deeply grateful for my partner and his ability to hold space for all of my emotional expression. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. He's, he's really good at it. That is incredible. What's a book that you would recommend to the audience? Yes, I mentioned Charles Eisenstein earlier, the book Sacred Economics, but I'm going to recommend his other book that you read first, if you feel so called. It's called The More Beautiful World That Our Hearts Know Is Possible. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll put a link to that as well. So I am a voracious reader. And that is actually why I always ask for book recommendations. And Soul Care um, has a library of books from every single belief and religion and practice and philosophy. We just uh, really try to provide a window into lots of different ways of seeing the world. But um, you had talked about the the gift economy and about um, conscious entrepreneurs. And so we actually work with a company called Bookshop, um, which is a way to um, support local booksellers. And we have a listing on Bookshop that we put all of our recommendations on. And the thing that I think is beautiful is that it creates this win-win-win. And so um, the consumer can purchase books, both new and used. The books come from local booksellers. So either local booksellers that they choose that are in their geographical area, or just um, you can choose booksellers across the United States that might be women-owned or Black-owned or um, random. And then us as Soul Care and recommending books and having kind of a book 
front, uh, a storefront with the books that we recommend, we actually get a small um, percentage of that. So um, it really is a new way of looking at consumerism. And sometimes they the books are a little bit more than maybe buying them on Amazon, but it's a different way to make a conscious choice about how to support maybe a different kind of economy. So I recommend that you check out our books, our book shop, and uh, maybe look at that as a different way to purchase books. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, it's been such a wonderful conversation. And um, I, I, although you're a soul care partner, we have a relatively new relationship. And I've just enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better um, and, and about your journey and what your dreams and hopes are. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Kelly. And I just, I continually admire what you're doing. Um, I just recently listened to the episode, the podcast episode that you put out about, um, you were the one being interviewed. It was uh -huh. the 25th yep. uh, mm -hmm. episode. And I was just like, Kelly is doing it. Like she created <laughs> her own path. It's what we need. It is this container for the community to come together and also make, make soul care what it is. And yeah, it's just really awesome to see that in this area. So thank, well, thank you, you so much. I appreciate that. And my cousin who actually uh, conducted that interview, she lives in Hawaii and she was actually the person who taught me about gift economy. And she, um, she actually lives that way a hundred percent. She lives in gift economy. So um, she's an amazing person as well. And it, it works. It's, it's not easy. Not that it has to be hard, but um you know, when you go outside of the what society tells you is the accepted way, uh, and you're braving your own path, it certainly um, can not be easy. But she does it, and she does it successfully, and it's beautiful to watch. So, um, yeah, that's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's come full circle, right? So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. We'll talk mm -hmm. to you soon. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation. Or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table, and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.